Hello, you are tuned into pghmuseums.org's Art Talk. We are a podcast where we sit down with an artist from the Pittsburgh area, or really anywhere in southwestern Pennsylvania, United States. You know what? If you plop down in a chair right in front of me and you're an artist, I'll interview you. I'm not going to lie. We are going to interview anyone in this podcast, and today I had Nikki Bacon. We went over to her apartment in Etna, and it was so small and so cozy, and I love sitting down in an apartment that isn't stale. It's full of life and full of what people do day to day, and it was filled to the brim with paintings and food and coffee was waiting for Brian and I, and it was just wonderful. So we're just going to jump right in. And if you listen to our last episode with Steve Pierce, we talked about creating music while having a day job. And right off the bat, Nikki Bacon and I just jumped into that topic. She invited us to her apartment. And do you do all your paintings here as well? The kind of operating a studio or something separate? Um, yeah, I generally do them wherever I live, just because it takes a lot of time to get the focus to actually create a piece of art. And generally, I'm at home, and I'm like, well, I need to act on this now before it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Uh, do you, does it come at, like, the most random times, or is there a time? like? Yeah, usually when I'm better? at work. It's really frustrating. It's always <laughs> when you're at work. Uh, it's Steve, like, oh, I have this great idea, and <laughs> I just started my shift. <laughs> Eight hours until you can get it out. Yeah. Our last episode was with Steve Pierce, and he said the same thing. Oh, like, wow. comes at work, <laughs> and I was like, yes, and then you have to rush home and... Hope that it's still there uh-huh. and like the burst of energy is still there to make it. Yeah. So that's a running theme that mm-hmm. I'm happy kind of to hear that it's not just me who goes through that when you're at work and you can't do anything yeah. about it. I used to go to church twice every Sunday and Bible study during the week and youth group twice. And I would always get like an idea, an idea while someone was talking about like the Bible. And I was like, I shouldn't be thinking about this right now. I should be paying attention because I had that like Christian guilt back then. Yeah. You know, but now it's the same thing with work. So. Oh, yeah. Workout. Do you get workout? Are you thinking like I'm at work? I shouldn't be thinking about like painting right now. Oh, yeah. 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 Work guilt. Oh, I mine goes right out the window. I should be thinking about this roof that like is it has holes in it and someone's like living with that. I should be thinking about okay, that. Okay, yes, you know? that's true. That's something to pay attention <laughs> to. Art first, always. What's nice about interviewing Nikki Bacon is that there's not a lot of information on her out there. You can look at her work. It's up online everywhere. You can catch her at live painting events. She was at a launch party if you were there. Uh, but there's not a lot of stuff. So we got to take like kind of the first look at what went into making the artist known as Nikki Bacon or Keep Attic, which is also a moniker she goes under. We started right at the beginning. Yeah, I grew up in the boonies of New Hampshire. Well, I guess it's not really the boonies. It was kind of like the suburbs. But um, I lived in the middle of um, a lot of woods, and I was homeschooled. So I didn't really see a lot of people besides my family on a regular basis. And I just gravitated towards art because my mom also made art and she showed me some stuff and I got interested and I just like hyper focused on it because I have ADHD (laughs) and I just made art for pretty much my whole childhood. And then high school, I took a break, um, but then I got back into it when I turned like 18 and just really went into it. 
Nice. When did you start? Like, how early in childhood were you like, I think I should just grab a brush? And was it just painting? Or did you say into, like, did you find your way into what you wanted to do? I started out with crayons. I really okay. loved crayons. As kids do. <laughs> and I would, like, I did uh, this cool thing when I was, like, I don't know, like, seven, where I would do a bunch of markers on a piece of paper and then go over it with black crayon and then carve into it. Okay. So, like, I already was, like, starting with some really... Yeah, crazy stuff at a young age, but um, you know, I was real young. I don't even know what the exact age was. It had to have been like when I was like seven or something, because it was before I knew how to read, and I knew how to read when I was ten, which yes. is like pretty late in life. But you know, I was homeschooled, so yeah. maybe that is why I didn't learn how to read sooner. Did that play into like the creativity too? Because I'm sure. Being oh yeah, home all the I was time. always drawing stuff. Like I had this drawing diary, so I would like draw what I did with my brother that day instead of writing. Like we played tennis, and there's little stick figures like ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the first thing about being homeschooled, so I just straight up asked her, "How does art work when you're homeschooled?" We touch a lot on family homeschool and religion in this interview and it's pretty interesting look into kind of like a different way of growing up and getting your footing in the water and figuring out what you want to do creatively when you're homeschooled it really is up to your parents what you do like mm-hmm. they're your principal they are literally your principal like they sign off on your transcripts and say yeah she's educated and that's how you get your diploma <laughs> when you're homeschooled. So um, it was up to my parents, really. And I could have been pro- more proactive and, like, said, like, I want this. I need this. And, like, pressured them. But mm-hmm. I'm a pretty passive person. So I just, like, sat back and stayed at home. And so, like, all the art skills that I have are either from my mom or just generated from teaching myself. Nice. YouTube videos are helpful sometimes. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Did your mom, was she also a painter or you said she was a yeah, creator she, too? Yeah, she did acrylic paint too. She generally did like seascapes because she grew up in California. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of um, moon lit paintings. I saw this one drawing that she did. It was like a cat sitting on this blanket. It's really cool. It's probably the coolest piece of art my mom has at my old house. But um, yeah. Cool. One of the most fascinating things that I heard from Nikki during this interview is her technique and how she approaches the subjects that she paints and the kind of out of the box, unconventional ways she looks to make them the final product that they are. If you look at a Nikki Bacon painting, it's colorful. And there's so many layers inside of it. And you really have to take a close look, sometimes under different lighting circumstances, uh, which we'll get to in a bit. But it's, it's fascinating. And to the point of where I just straight up told her, I'm going to steal your ideas when it comes to making something. Because this, this is just a, a, it's such a unique way to look at how to approach making anything creative really like me architecture which i want to get more into painting architecture which is what that was inspired from um but i also really like nature and i like how light affects things and i think that nature by itself can be pretty boring if you just like represent it to its fullest extent but if you like twist some things like kind of like a instagram filter if you like add some extra color or some extra like elegancy like 
that's probably not even a word. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we create words here. We're artists. It's fine. Pizzazz, then it's kind of like it's kind of like how it would be in my mind because my mind kind of saturates things more than they are naturally. Yeah. So makes sense. Um, in terms of like saturation, are you always like when you sit down to start a piece? Is it I see this tree. How do I kind of get it? to what I'm thinking or how do you go about like saturating the paintings and twisting Mm -hmm. them? So I usually start with a base idea like this one. I just wanted to paint um, a silhouette of myself um, that was shattered. So I started with that idea and then I laid it out. I'm like, Oh, I should paint the dress. I'm like, well now it looks weird because like there's no color anywhere else. So I did the color in the background and I'm like, well now it just looks really smooth. So that's why I took these brush strokes and made them look a little bit more rough because I wanted a bit more roughness added and I did the splattered paint just to make it look like it's all rotten together. Um, but yeah, I usually start with a rough idea and then I tweak it like 10,000 times. <laughs> Me too. I'm with you there. Um, I come from the music world. So a lot of the times when I start with the bass chair, I'm like, how do I tweak this? So it's like, not just like, I guess speaking in artist terms, like a flat canvas. Mm-hmm. So just getting up close and just turning around for a second and seeing all of that detail and all those layers are really nice. Mm-hmm. Do you think in layers while you're doing it? Or is it kind of like as it goes along, like, oh, I should add something or twist it to add more dimension? You know, so what I like to do is to get the base idea out and then I'll take a picture of it. And then I'll put some filters on it. And then I'm like, oh, that looks so much better. I should do that. (laughs) And then I'll like add that. I had this one painting of two birds that were blue. And the background was like this deep red that like faded into brown. And I took a picture of it and I saturated it and like it turned the blue, the birds purple. I was like, that looks so much better. So I made them purple, just like added some more like pink and whatnot. Consider that idea stolen. I don't know how I'm going to translate <laughs> that in the music world, but I'm going to do something to where yeah. it brings out something crazy. Do you just open Instagram and you're like, filter, 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 mm-hmm. or do or like something like, else? Wow, my art looks way better. <laughs> that is an insane <laughs> approach. Kind of like how it makes your face look better. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. You got to get the right Sometimes, filters. Yeah, other yes. ones bring out like acne and whatnot. Just it's make it wonderful. black and white. It's fine. <laughs> Saturation all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> I will put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it, and make it purple. I don't know how you make a sound wave purple because they are sound waves and they're invincible, but it's stolen. I don't know what I need to do, but it's gone. It's mine. Sorry, Nikki. Uh, Nikki Bacon is someone who you really get personal with to buy or even see her art. She... Live Paints doesn't currently have a website, and I'll just let her explain how you would kind of go about selecting or even finding her in the world. So I really like working off of photos because I'm just a visual person. So I've gravitated towards Instagram these days, and I think that's probably the way I'm going to heavily concentrate my, um, you know, getting out into the world with my stuff. Uh, The one right now that I'm using is called Keep Attic, and... That's keep, K-E-E-P, and then there's um, an underscore, mm-hmm. and then attic, A-T-T-I-C. Okay. So that's how you can find me where I share all my art. Okay. And is that uh, like an app or is that the website or an account? That's Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Very cool. And can they, how do they like purchase a piece? 
Uh, just ask just me. Just ask. Literally. I'm willing to drive. I'm willing to deliver. Like, just ask. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that I find just there's not really like a centralized place with mm-hmm. um, artists in terms of if, when you create like film or something, mm-hmm. there's a distributor and you can just put it out. Yeah. And with artists, I'm like, there's nothing like that. And everything is so unique to so, like yeah. each individual artist that I'm always surprised whenever someone's just like, I just, just call me, do whatever you want. Yeah. And maybe I'll have a more organized platform one day, but in order to do that, I need professional photos and I'm kind of broke right now. So (laughs) can't really get those done, but, um, yeah, maybe soon one day. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I mean, the majority of artists are just like contact me because there's not a centralized place. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I'm learning that. So if I want a Nikki bacon piece, I'm just going to Knock and on honestly, you can just ask to come look at the art. Like, if you don't want to just buy it without seeing it in person, that's fine. Like, you can come, you can look at it, you can say, ah, I actually don't want this. Like, it's better yeah. than not asking because, honestly, I would love to get some of these pieces off my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and once you hear what kind of actual further techniques she's currently using in the present day, which is what we delve into next your mind is just going to melt looking at what Nikki does at face value is not the final product and the final outcome of what she makes. There's so many unconventional and unique ways that Nikki or Keepatic, as we've established has uh, approached in making anything that she did just even flipping through the paintings in her apartment and yes i did buy one nikki bacon is known as an affordable artist if you are wondering uh it's i wanted to buy them all and even at affordable art prices i had to be pretty choosy but i'm pretty satisfied with what is hanging up i love switching it up so generally i stick with acrylic but um for instance this is completely covered in modeling paste which is a medium and then I took my shoes and I printed them onto the modeling paste and then I carved out where the shoe print was so like it's you can feel the texture of the shoe literally um and these are the shoes that I had when I moved here (laughs) so it's kind of like a piece that symbolizes moving on from things um but I use different um mediums all the time and recently I've been using fluorescent paint Mm -hmm. so I'll turn on the black light when I'm using the fluorescent paint and then I'll turn it off and I'll turn on a regular light and see if it still looks good because they react differently and if you can blend them in a way that makes them look good under both lights it's like a mastery that I'm still working (laughs) on but getting pretty good at yeah um for instance this painting in the background the building I painted it completely orange and then I took a spray a sprayer and I filled it with water and yellow fluorescent paint and I sprayed it on. So you can't see the yellow fluorescent right now because it's so thin. But if I were to turn on a black light, it would make the black pop out because the background turns like yellowish orange. I told you mind blown. I wouldn't have even known about Nikki Bacon if it weren't for my involvement in PGH Museum Soto RG. We threw a launch party last year. We're new here on the internet and in the world. And Nikki Bacon graciously graced us with her presence and live painted. Uh, it was great to see. Just anytime 
I looked over at what she was doing. It was, it was bright and uh, it just drew my eye immediately. These art talks are really special. I knew nothing about Nikki beforehand and I left just wanting more of anything Nikki had to offer artistically. Thank you so much to our members who pay $20 a year and get uh, some percentages off of galleries and mission. Uh, there's a class up there you can get a percentage off of. And uh, really, thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast and supports pghmuseum.org in any kind of capacity, especially if you came to that launch party. It was so nice to see so many faces. And um, I mean, we're, we're so we're volunteer ran and we're also passionate at creating a platform for artists and venues and galleries and anything from any perspective from the business to the actual creative making of art we we want to see it all thrive in the city there's just so much potential any any sharing that you do with this is great. Any financial support that you do through our membership, and again, it's only $20 a year, it's wonderful. We are, shh, don't tell anyone, because I don't know how far along we are in discussions here. We're talking about doing some events uh, as well around the area. So follow us on social media. I'm incredibly active on the Instagram, but we are all over Facebook, Twitter as well. And of course, our website, pjhmuseums.org. Here's my written Nikki. You grew up in New Hampshire, you were homeschooled, and then you somehow wound up here? How did that come about? How long have you been here? Um, I've been here since 2016. Um, I lived with my brother, John, who also lived here at the time uh, for a couple months. He really helped me get on my feet, but now he lives in uh, Philly. I still have another brother here, though, my brother Dave and his family. Um, So I moved down here because my family was still around, and it was... A more exciting place in my eyes. Um, still more exciting than living in the woods, but um, the woods were beautiful. So everything has its perks, I guess. <laughs> what do you do in New Hampshire in the woods versus like Etna and Pittsburgh where everything well, is I mean, here? I didn't really do anything that people do up there because I was homeschooled, so I just mm. did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, generally people back there just like hang out in someone's basement or like go on a road trip, you know. The normal country stuff. Yeah. I definitely get growing up in a small town. Not that Greensburg, Pennsylvania was particularly boony to the extreme, but it's pretty much, if you're not in the city, the same kind of just chilling at your friend's house, not really doing much, watching TV, maybe having some deep conversations, going to the mall and checking out Hot Topic for the millionth time. It's uh, while you're growing up, especially as a creative person, um, at least in my experience, and it sounds like in Nikki's as well, it's pretty inspiring to uh, just draw from that kind of environment. Just with me, it, it was pretty mundane to say, to the average perspective of what went on in my childhood. Um, Nikki's comes from, I mean, the same kind of environment, but with a a little bit of a different perspective. So we next segged into what she wanted to do as soon as she got to the city. She'd have to get inspired to do stuff My thing is I just was like itching to go to a concert. I was like, I really want (laughs) to see live music. And now I see it all the time. So I definitely got my wish there. Who would who did you want to see? Like who was top? Like I need to get out of the woods and see. So my brother John, the same brother I lived with when I moved here, 
um, he introduced me to music pretty much because I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. Okay. Um, he gave me a newfound glory CD. <laughs> I was Good like, start. Yes. <laughs> uh, Bayside. I listened to Bayside when I was a teenager. I was like crying to their songs like, yes. <laughs> and then um, what else did I get into? Oh, he gave me this mixtape. It had um, Dr. Dog on it. It had um, Tallest Man on Earth. It had a bunch of these indie musicians. And I was like, this is wonderful. So he got me really started on that track. And I was just like a Genesia concert. Nice. Well, I hope, I mean, Millville's right down the street. So yeah, I hope that I mean, you see I'm some sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So getting out was great for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, non, you couldn't listen to non-secular music. Was that, like growing up, how was like just that environment? And was that influential to what you create at all? Because I know there's a lot of symbolism even behind me from what you've mm-hmm. described so far. Is that just like, having the freedom now to listen to newfound glory is that something that's played into like the adulthood with the creation of the art or mm-hmm. like how does childhood from being homeschooled and like that kind of environment differ and feed into what's going on now with I guess I appreciate things a little bit more than the average person because I'm like I never got this as a kid I never got this as a teenager so I'm like I'm like really into things when they happen more so than most people yeah And, like, my art, it's, like, bursting with, like, admiration for whatever I'm painting. I'm, like, I want to make this look bright and beautiful so that people can get a sense of how excited I am about this picture, about this idea. Because I just get really excited about things. (laughs) And that's something I noticed, too, whenever you were at the launch party for us. Um, Like, I was kind of mingling around with the people that I knew there and making sure Brian was good and everything. Uh, and then every now and then I would just look over at your stuff and I was like, that is really bright. <laughs> <laughs> like that is my first like impression of it. And then I walked over and could see like, even just walking toward it, like it went from, Oh, this is like bright. Like I need to see it too. There are layers in this mm-hmm. and uh, like getting deeper into it is great. So the appreciation is definitely like, as I walked toward it, I was like, there's, a lot of expression Mm -hmm. going on in this. So I I definitely appreciate that. Um, And you were live painting while you were with us too. That's a trip. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you get like all these big ideas and like this, like there's so much going on in your painting. It's stressful. Live painting, let me tell you, it's either a hit or a miss. You're either like, oh yeah, I'm killing this. (laughs) I'm so glad people are watching me. Or it's like, I wish no one was looking at me right now Uh because this piece is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Or it might come out okay, but like you're thinking that while painting it and you're like, oh man, I don't know what it's going to look like when I'm done. It could be awful. (laughs) It's the same thing on the stage. Let me tell you. Last interview was with Steve Pierce who does so much live painting. Mm -hmm. And I asked him and I'll probably ask you too. Like whenever I get on the stage, I know what I have to do and I have a million ways to dodge if something Mm -hmm. is not going well. Like if too many people go away from me, I'll just dodge the song, go into the next one. It's Mm -hmm. easy. Kind of. Sometimes. Sometimes it's not. Um, Sometimes I want people staring at me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait till this is off. I don't know what I'm doing right now. How, like, when you go in and you approach live painting, is it just like, well, I'm going to throw up this canvas and hopefully magic comes out? Or do you have a rough idea of what you're going to do before you go in? I try to have a rough idea. I've learned that. The first time I did it was, like, a huge mistake. I was, like, 
this looks awful. Thankfully, it was just in someone's like living room, so like there was only like two people watching. Okay. So it wasn't that pressure bad is not of on experience. that time. But then I was like, from now on, I need to have an idea of what I'm painting. Otherwise, I'm just going to get lost. Um, so actually, this huge painting behind us that has the clouds and the moon, mm-hmm. um, I did the clouds before I went to the competition because everyone was allowed to do a background first. Okay. So I'm like, if I do the clouds, then all I have to paint is a moon and I just have to fill in the clouds. Yeah. And it turned out awesome because I had an idea and it was simple and I knew what I was doing. So, yeah. yeah. And do you do, um, like a lot of these like competitions or live painting events? Like, can people see you? Do you have anything coming up or what's been recent beyond like the launch party? I saw Yinsfest. Did you do that? Yeah, I was okay. in Yinsfest in the summer. That was wild. There was so much going on there. It was great. Um, I also did the under the bridge festival that Troy Johnson put on. Uh, that was incredible. Um, but I don't have anything lined up yet. I do have a concert lined up because uh, Jeremy and I are performing. But uh, when it comes to art, I don't have anything planned out yet. Okay. But on my Instagram, I will definitely update you guys if I get a festival. Nice. In terms of, you mentioned the living room a couple minutes ago and uh, not having a good time. What would you say, like, the best time has been for you painting versus, like, the worst time? Like, do you have any that stick out in your mind? Live painting or not, like, what would you say, like, the biggest achievement and the biggest, like, oh, no, would be? Uh, The biggest achievement, so I have two, actually. The first one was so awesome. It was um, Indie Rock Fest, which was last April. Um, that's put on by, uh, Jay, Nathan Jay. Sorry, Nathan. I forgot your name for a second. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. I love you. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, it was a really great experience because I already had an idea. Like I said, that's like, if you have an idea, you're you're good to go to start. Yes. But, um, and also the music was just so good and listening to the music and being able to paint while this amazing music was happening. It was like, euphoric because like I'm always listening to music when I'm painting but like live music is different like it's like you can feel the vibrations in you so like feeling that vibration and being able to paint while feeling it it was just awesome so that was probably one of my best experiences and then the other one was that competition I told you about where I painted the clouds and the moon Mm -hmm. Um, my probably worst experience was the first one just because it was my first one And I thought I had a good idea and it was not a good idea, but the person I gave it to likes it. So, I mean, that just goes to show that everything's up to interpretation. For sure. Yeah. Whenever something's finished, it's like, it's not for you anymore. It's for the people who are looking at it. Oh, you like it? Yeah, take it. Yes. It was great. I don't want to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) She mentioned doing music as well. So naturally I'm going to switch gears and see what that is about. She was doing a show with Jeremy K. Wood at Mindful Brewing after this interview it's already happened i'm sorry you can't go and see it again i did snag a video so if she wants to post it up she can uh it it was wonderful to see her sing the the range in her voice the minute i walked in uh, my jaw 
was on the floor. I, I walked in in a mood, and I don't remember why. I think I just had a really long day, and the weather was snowy, so even driving, like, a quarter mile in the snow was not something that I really wanted to do. But Brian was like, I'm gonna go, and I'm like, okay, fine. If Brian's gonna go, I'll show up, I'll mingle. I love Nikki, I love Jeremy, and Jeremy Kaywood was on guitar and Vox as well, so I'm there. We talked about music here. Uh, you mentioned performing music? Do you uh, perform outside of that or like outside of painting? Yeah. So this performance coming up? Yeah. So that's um, going to be on the 19th at Mindful Brewing, which is in Castle Shannon. That is right down the street from me. Oh, so you're going to be there, right? I'm going to oh, be there. Sweet. I love Mindful Brewing. Yeah. That is not a sponsor at all. I love <laughs> Mindful Brewing. I have not been there yet, but I've heard good things. Nice. What can we expect? What can I expect? Um, you can expect to uh, hear me sing some really, I guess they would be vulnerable songs. Like, I have really vulnerable um, vocalisms. Like, okay. if I slip up, it's pretty obvious <laughs> um, because I have a, a lower voice, but it's really, it gets high and also gets really low. So those are like two ends of the spectrums and it's really easy to mess it up either way. But um. You won't mess up. It'll be great. I've been singing like my whole life, like along with painting. Like I usually sing while I'm painting because okay. I'm listening to music. So I've just been singing my whole life as well as at church, mm-hmm. which I went to as a kid a lot. So. Yeah. Uh, what genre is it that we can expect uh, to hear? That's always a hard question to answer, but I guess you would always. call it like, like it's kind of like Evanescence, but like with a softer touch. Can we hear anything, or do they have to come to Mindful Brewing? Come you have anyway. to come to Mindful Brewing. It's okay. the morning I'm not prepared to sing. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so everyone go. That yeah. was a demand. I heard it in her voice. Yeah, it's going to be around 7 to 8 that we go up, so I would try to get there early because, um, you know, it can always happen when you don't expect it to. So I try to get there early, Mindful Brewing, and that's on the 19th. I'm ready. <laughs> I want to go right now. Yeah. Can you just get on stage Let's just now? Skip ahead. Yes. Okay. Time warping. Uh, you listen to music while you paint. Is there anything like specific that you like to throw on? Which I'm jealous of. Like when that painters can listen to music mm-hmm. because I just make music. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I want to listen to Apex Twin. Oh wait, I can't listen to two things at the same time. So I have to listen to myself for five yeah. hours. Uh, so what do you listen to? What do you like to listen to? Or is there anything else that you like to do too while you paint? Um, so I've been really listening to Me Without You a lot, as well as Manchester Orchestra, like on my Spotify. So those were like my two like top artists I listen to. Um, but I also enjoy more indie music, like um, Bell and Sebastian. Um, Toss me on earth still. Thanks, John, for introducing me to them. <laughs> but um, yeah, I switch it up depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. If I feel angry, I'll listen to me without you. <laughs> <laughs> and does this all kind of like feed into like the art that you create? Does like singing while you paint like bring something out? Oh, well, it helps me focus because like I usually need to be focusing on two things to like really f- hone in on something. Mm-hmm. If I have like two things going on, it helps me focus, which is weird, but it's just how it works. So if I'm singing, it helps me put more energy into my art, actually. Yeah. And does it take a bit for that energy to, like, get going? Or are you just, like... Oh, definitely. (laughs) It's really frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's frustrating for everyone who gets, like... It's either... I I talk to a lot of people where it's, like, feast or famine. Like, you have all these ideas you need to get out. Or it's, like, 
where'd all my ideas go? Yeah. But I feel like I'm like surrounded by so much art that I'm, there's no reason to be frustrated, I feel like. But I know that, yeah. like, yes, it happens. Like, how many pieces do you think that you can even, like, pump out in a year? Because it's so many. Like, even when you were live painting, it was, like, not even it's all bright. But I was, like, there's a lot to choose from right now. Mm-hmm. And it's affordable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it more feast for you or is it more, like, where are my ideas at? Um, so I painted a lot this year because I was focusing on small art because – it sells faster because people can carry it around when they're at a festival or it's just cheaper. Um, so I made a lot of small pieces, which they were easier to make. Um, so I made a lot this year. But uh, in previous years, it's been kind of more of a famine, mainly because my living situations were just like weird. <laughs> but um, now that I'm a little bit more settled and comfortable, I've been making more art. So it seems like, and I'm with you on that too, like life changes, like people say the artists, like the suffering of the artists, they always have to be suffering to create something. And I'm just like, when I'm like moving or some big thing happens in life, I'm just like, "Mm -mm." like, don't get me toward that. And then once everything calms down, this is how I'm going to express that. Right. It's like, here's the hindsight. It's 2020. Let me throw this. Yeah. The biggest thing with Nikki is again, her art is incredibly affordable. So for the last part of the interview, I just wanted to focus on what it means to be an affordable artist in 2020. From my perspective, the music industry is crumbling. And I, just like every single artist from the bottom to the mid-tier, we won't give the top any credit there. They have horror stories about how hard it is to make a any kind of like sustainable financial living from being an art. And to hear an artist just say, yeah, you know, my art is affordable. Come to me. I spend all this time and you spend little money for my beautiful works. It's just, just something that is just, again, such a, like a, a unique way to approach what she's doing there's uh there's even maybe a payment plan involved in making and then a purchase of her art i i don't know i might get on that payment plan it's uh it's uh, it's it's so interesting of a of a way to approach what it means to kind of let a piece go and uh give it put it in the hands of somebody else you talked about like selling the art and um you the tag is affordable art and mm-hmm. it's so affordable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm usually nervous to ask an artist how much a piece is going to be mm-hmm. because then I have to check, like politely figure out a way to be like, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying that. Payment plan yes. system. Like nine ninety nine totally a month. Do. do you? Yeah. You can totally set up a payment plan. Well, I mean, some pieces are pretty expensive. No, I'm still expecting true. 300 for that one. I carved that one. I carved the clouds. What's the payment plan for that? Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm always like very hesitant to ask because I, and I want to buy it. Like they'll still say $7,000. And I'm like, how the hell are you going to make this feasible? Like do I, I, I cancel Netflix? I will give you my soul. Yes, okay? I'll Is sell it. <laughs> I won't sell it. I'm saving that for the Illuminati. But uh, affordable art, like how it, we're in this age where Art is so needed and it's everywhere now because the internet like explodes everything. Like yeah. niche genres, they're everywhere for like not uh, 
the end. Um, but it's so undervalued financially mm-hmm. for everybody in art. Even I was just thinking the other day about like Suncoast closing. Do you remember Suncoast? No, but it sounds rad. It was rad. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was just like uh, a story you could buy movies in. It sounds cool. But there were like so many movies and they all shut down in the early 2000s because film started to kind of like not like pirating was really big in the uh, early 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, when like the big corporations suffer, you know, the little guys are suffering too. Mm-hmm. So when I saw affordable art and it's affordable, you like buy this, all of this, mm-hmm. um, did, did it, was that just something that you were like, I'm just going to do this. It's affordable. Well, it's just like when you have a piece for like three years, you're like, I should probably drop the price. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just better for someone else to have it because I'm like running out of space for my art (laughs) and I need money. (laughs) (laughs) Get it out of here. What can you expect? Like price range in terms of being affordable? Because on Instagram, I see them, but Mm -hmm. you're probably not following her. Follow her right now. Come to Mindful Brewing. It's a list of demands with this interview. What can they expect as far as, like, price for what you create? Like, something small to big. Uh, so, like, if it's, like, I don't know, like a 4x4 like a four four or something, like, probably 15 20 bucks, depending on how much detail there is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's dependent on size. So, like, if it's a 20 by 16 it's probably going to be... 50 bucks at cheapest if I put a lot of detail into it or if I use different mediums it's probably going to be more around 100 um this one it's really big really durable canvas and I use medium over the whole thing it's like a really smooth painting with these cool textured footprints so like that one obviously I'm expecting like at least 250 Mm. but um you know it's all dependent on detail and size well, I'm going to go raid this place. I'm <laughs> going to thumb through everything like I'm in Sun Coast and it's still booming and set up the payment plan. Sun Coast, that's such a cool name. I know. It's gone. I mean, it's up for grabs now. Yeah. Like, you can name a painting Sun Coast if you want <laughs> and they won't see you. I don't think. I don't think. I Hopefully they're not watching this. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. End quote. Thank you so much for listening to this interview with uh, Keep Attic, a.k.a. Nikki Bacon. And, uh, I mean, whether you're a listener sharing it or whether you're a member or a sponsor like Sidekick Media, I, uh, myself, and the entire Pittsburgh Museum's team and everyone at Pittsburgh Art Talk, it's, we thank you and we cannot thank you enough. Again, we are all volunteer run here from top to bottom. And we're just doing it for the sake of trying to expand really this really big art scene and areas of the art scene that aren't being seen so if i mean if you're an artist if you're a venue if you're someone on the business end and you want to become an affiliate or you want to get on this podcast or you're just interested generally even if you're just a listener in in pgh museums pghmuseums.org just send a message i i hear about them all the time i look at them with my own eyeballs i respond i'm uh i there's so much passion that is fueled behind um the the crew that does this. And I, I cannot thank Nikki Bacon so much for sharing basically herself with us since day one. That launch party was so important 
and was such a success. And it's it's a testament to everybody involved, in, including, again, I, I mean, the affiliates, the members, the, the people who are not members but are listening and support this in the most uh, badass ways. There, there's no way to thank you enough. I will see you again. We're ending this with a, a message from one of our sponsors because, again, we're just so gracious to everyone. And I will see you the next episode of PGH Art Talk. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Thank you for listening to Art Talk from PGHMuseums.org. Your host today was RJ Kozane, and the program was edited by me, Brian Crawford. Today's music was Wallpaper by Kevin McLeod and can be found at FilmMusic.io. It is licensed through the Creative Commons. Be sure to search PGH Art Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. PGH Museums is made possible through our members and affiliate museums, such as the Punxsutawney Weather Discovery Center, Become a Tornado, Make a Thunderstorm, Be a TV Weather Forecaster. You can do all of this and more at the interactive Punxsutawney Weather Discovery Center, located in the home of Punxsutawney Phil. Learn more at weatherdiscovery.org. We'll catch you in two weeks, right here on Art Talk from pghmuseums.org.